Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I do think it it is a position that requires more athleticism than ever before, right? So you've got to have speed and range to play back there. Plus, you've got to be a really good open field tackler. To play great at safety, you have to see the game out of both eyes. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Andre Paraiso, filling in for our buddy Elliot Bowman on the ones and twos. As we're taping this podcast, Michael, a little bit earlier in the week, I know you have some travel that is on the agenda earlier or later on this week, I should say there. So we're doing this a little bit earlier to give the folks the podcast still on that Thursday when it drops. So if any news breaks between now and Thursday, we're taping this on a Tuesday. We will get to it on Monday's podcast coming up here. But this is an exciting podcast, Michael, because this is the start of our blue chip red chip series, which yeah. the folks are always looking forward to all throughout the offseason. Well, I, I think it's it tells you we're getting ready to get closer to the season, and we're going to look back on the 22 season and grade, starting with the safeties. And the criteria for safeties, Femi, is simply they have to play good on three levels, right? So they have to be able to play the deep third of the field. They have to be able to play on the second level, which is where a linebacker aligns. They have to be able to attack the pocket in some form of blitz. And you've got to do all three really effectively. Some guys can't. You know, John Lynch is in the Hall of Fame, but he's in the Hall of Fame because he really was only a level two and a level one player. There was a time and place in the National Football League where a strong safety played down in the box and never played in the middle of the field. That time is long gone. And then we really have crafted another position. For example, the Ravens drafted Kyle Hamilton last year. You would call him a safety if you like. That's fine. You can do that. He's never in the deep part of the field. He's a nickel linebacker. He's a sub linebacker. That's what he is. He played 600 snaps last year, all down in the box. And he's an effective player down there. But that's an t- entirely different position than a true safety. So I want to be clear. You've got to be able to play on three levels and you've got to be able to play in a situation where they can't really attack you if you're down in the box. And before we get to the list, we'll unveil it starting with the red chips first. But I thought it was an interesting trend because when we did this episode last year, it was like, okay, hey, we're just coming off of an NFL draft where we saw three safeties go in the first round. After in 2021 and 2020, we saw zero safeties go in the first round. Now, once again, in 2023, no safety was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So that's now three out of the last four years we have not seen a safety go early on day one. So do you think that the league, I don't know if it's maybe it was just the personnel that was out in 2022 that it kind of lined up to where those guys went in those first 32 picks, or is this kind of the league maybe shifting? It's not importance because it is a very important position, but almost thinking that, Hey, we can get these guys a little bit earlier or a little bit later rather than we have to do on Thursday. Well, I I do think it, it is a position that requires more athleticism than ever before. 
right? So you've got to have speed and range to play back there. Plus, you've got to be a really good open field tackler. The reason why sometimes corners can't go back and play safety, like it would be really easy to draft a corner and say, okay, we're going to kick you inside and play you at safety and have the dynamic coverage skill at a safety position. The reason that doesn't work as well is because to play great at safety, you have to see the game out of both eyes. When you play corner, for example, if you play right corner, you only see the game out of your left eye. That's the where the game comes. Everything goes inside. If you play if you play left corner, you see it out of your right eye. When you play free safety, you have to see it out of both eyes. And some players that can't make that transition. So there there always is a thought in my mind that we're going to end up with four corners on the field at the same time. The problem is it's hard to find the Rod Woodson who could play corner, but then he could come back inside and play safety and see the game out of both eyes. Ronnie Lott did that. It's a hard thing to do because guys are not trained that way. They're coverage guys. They want to play. The game becomes a little – some guys can't even play the star, which is the inside slot receiver. And that was that was framed by Buddy Parker back at the Detroit Lions. So I think ultimately that's what makes it so hard to judge these guys. And what you want – because when the middle of your defense is fast, your defense becomes faster. When the middle of your defense is slow and your safeties have no range off those hash marks – all of a sudden, there's holes within your zone defense. Yeah, I think that versatility that you're talking about there, I mean, I remember when Jalen Ramsey was coming out of college at Florida State, and he was kind of playing a little bit of safety. He was playing that star position a little bit at Florida State, played corner, obviously, but played a little bit of safety, and people kind of talked about how, hey, like, is he a corner? Is he a safety? Ended up being a corner and had a really good career, and we'll get to the corners coming up in our next Blue Chip Red Chip series. We'll see if where Ramsey fits into that equation after having a down season in 2022. But it's kind of that versatility. It's hard to find those guys, like you mentioned, the Rod Woodsons, the Ronnie Lots of the world. They're few and far between, but when you get one, it definitely elevates your defense. So let's get into the red chip safeties here, Michael. You have a couple of newcomers to our list and a couple of guys who were on the red chips just a season ago. And we'll start with Talanoa Hufanga of the San Francisco 49ers. He was a first-team All-Pro this past season. Four interceptions was really good on that 49ers defense. Javon Holland and Jeremy Chin were red chips last year. They once again red chips here in 2023. Jesse Bates, who was not a red chip last year, was with the Bengals a season ago, recently signed with the Atlanta Falcons over the offseason, four years, $64 million. And then the ageless wonder, the honey badger, Tyron Matthew, entering his 11th year, his age 31 season, finds his way on the red chips list. Yeah, I, I thought Bates Burley just made the list. You know, I, I thought he was – he's not as effective in coverage. I think what he makes his living on is intelligence and being aware. I thought Hufanga uh, – how do you say that, Femi? Hufanga. Hufanga. I thought Hufanga yep. is – you know, he's so reminiscent of Palomoa, the, the safety from the Steelers, uh, yeah. that he's able to, to play with a lot of range, and he does a great job in disguising coverages. And so, you know, when you see him at up to close to the line, you think, oh, he's coming after you. But he's got enough speed to get back there. You know, he gets picked in the fifth or sixth – I think he got picked in the fifth round because people saw him as an in-the-box player. But I think he's expanded his game. Obviously, four interceptions last year. I really think he's coming on. So, and I love Holland from Miami. I think Miami really hit with him. He's got, you know, he can return punts as well. Uh, he can play in the deep part of the field. He's got really good instincts. I think Chin is almost the perfect guy because he can play the star. He can play the deep part of the field. He's got great instincts. He was hurt a little bit, 
But I thought Bates, you know, the, the reason I put him on is because I thought his interceptions went up. He had four last year, you know, and he was able to – he was around involved in eight fumbles. So I thought he really played at a, at a higher level, obviously, in his contract year. Yeah, Jesse Bates ended up cashing in now with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll see if that Falcons secondary can, can become elevated now that they have him back there. But uh, conversely, I mean, for Cincinnati, you lose him. And you also lose Von Bell as well. And we talked about how that safety position, it, it's a really big deal as part of the defense here. That's going to affect the Bengals, you would think, at least a team that we're all pretty high on and is expected to contend for a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, they lost 2,400 plays, basically. You know, each guy, Bates and, and uh and Bell played 1,200 plays. Yeah, they played 1,200 plays. So, I mean, that's a hard thing. And then the communication element within that too, right? So Bell was the communicator. So, the you know, you're going to need to get somebody to get everybody lined up. You know, you're playing, you're playing a basic coverage and you make a mental mistake. It's because the communication is bad. It's because nobody's talking on the field. One of the things in football, when you have 11 guys, you got to communicate. you got to talk. you got to be aware of what's going on. And when that doesn't occur, when the free safety doesn't talk, it becomes a real issue. So we'll see how Cincinnati does. I think there'll be a little bit of a transition state in Cincinnati's secondary, to be honest with you. You know, now they signed Taylor Rapp, who played well. You know, they got him on a cheap deal. Rapp played fairly decent for them last year, but I think Rapp's got liability when it comes to coverage. There's no question about that. How do you think? No, I'm sorry. Buffalo signed Rapp. I'm sorry. Cincinnati brought Rapp in, but Buffalo signed him. That's right. How do you think Holland's going to fit with Vic Fangio's defense? Because we know Fangio likes to kind of move those guys around. They brought in Jalen Ramsey kind of maybe to play that star role. But Holland, who, I mean, he's only in his third season, 23 years old, bright future for this kid. Now his second year on the red chips list. How do you think Fangio is going to kind of use him in that defense? I mean, I think he'll be the Eddie Jackson of their defense. Like when Eddie was in Chicago and all those interceptions that he was making for him. I think he'll be around the football. I think this is a really good player. And Vic's going to highlight him in the game and I think in the scheme. And look, you know, when they blitzed as much as they did, Holland was on an island quite a bit. You know, he made 77 solo tackles, 19 assists. So, you know, he was out there. I I think he's going to really expand his role. I wouldn't be surprised if he had more opportunities to get his hands on footballs. The blue chips list has some familiar names on them. A guy who elevated from a red chip to a blue chip this season, but we have some familiar guys that are headlining it, starting with Kevin Byard and Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James. All three of those guys were blue chips last year, blue chips once again here in 2023. Buda Baker was a red chip. He took that mother may I step forward there as a veteran, now a blue chip this season. Then how about the New England Patriots safety? Kyle Duggar was not a red chip last year, was not a blue chip last year, but what did you see from him to where he wasn't, he was on the radar, but he wasn't on a red chip blue chip series, but he's now elevated himself to the top tier here at the position. I, I, I mean, he was all over the field. I mean, Derek Carr tried to throw a look at pass out there in the flat and a kid intercepted it. I mean, he's really aware he can play in the box. He can play the deep part of the field, although he's better down on the second level. You know, he tackles really well, and he was a ball hawk. I mean, he was around the football. He forced fumbles. He he picked up fumbles. I mean, he makes a lot of plays for their defense. You know, he's not an elite athlete. I think he has some stiffness in his game, but he's really smart, and I thought his comfort level was getting better. You know, McCourty wasn't the same player he once was in their secondary last year. He had a lot of missed tackles. I thought Duger really stepped up his game. I thought he played well. Uh, and it's the same thing with Buda Baker. I mean, Buda Baker is, is one of those players that, you know, when you have him on your team, 
you know, you really feel like God, he, he does a lot of things. Well, he may not be over the top athletic. He may not be the fastest, but the kid's got incredible instincts and he can communicate. And that's why I think he wants to get his contract redone. I, I mean, every team wants to have him on the team. You know, he played 900 plus plays last year. I don't know if he was as good in coverage as he needs to be, but his instincts and his awareness to me on a bad team that didn't get a lot of help, when the safety's making a lot of tackles, 75 solo tackles. I mean, that's a lot of tackles, right, yeah. for a guy that's like that. Good. And I thought he did really a, a great job. You know, the other guys, for me, Minka is is such a good player. You know, he's instinctive. Six interceptions. He's around the ball. He's got awareness. I, I mean, he makes the Steelers a better team the way he plays. Yeah, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's probably my favorite safety in the NFL. I mean, that guy, like a ball magnet is the way I describe him. He finds the football or the football finds him. Either way, it's just it makes their defense so much better. And then you have TJ Watt at the front end, Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. You wonder why the Steelers are always in the top 10, top five with the defenses year in and year out. I want to get more into Buda Baker, then also Derwin James as well on the other side here. We're just getting warmed up here. This is our Red Chip, Blue Chip series talking safeties here on the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. You know, one thing I noticed, Michael, looking at the list here of our red chips and our blue chip safeties is that I mean, I think this is probably going to be a common theme throughout all the positions, but safety is not really an old man's position here. I mean, we're looking at some no. of these guys. I mean, it's third year, third year, fourth year, sixth year, fifth year, sixth year, sixth year, fourth year. But you do have a couple of elder statesmen, a couple of guys who are now entering their 30 plus seasons, one of them being Kevin Byard of the Tennessee Titans as a blue chip. As a red chip, it was Tyron Matthew of the New Orleans Saints now at his age 31 season, 11th year in the NFL. But Bayard is a guy who I felt for so long was so under the radar because Tennessee doesn't get the national love. They're not on Sunday night football every other week or so, but he's just so consistent and he's pretty much the vocal leader of that defense. 
Yeah, and they tried to take his pay cut down, and <laughs> you know he didn't want to do that. He didn't do that, and then, oh, a pitcher of mine just fell down off the wall. We had a little injury Uh-oh. going on over here in the Uh-oh. office. We'll have to get to that. Uh-oh. I was going to say, is everything okay? Anyway, as my, as my, <laughs> as my granddaughter uh, Sienna says, uh-oh, that wasn't good. Anyway, I, I think to me, what, what he, you know, they tried to take a salary down, and he said no, and they didn't cut him. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Like, that tells you everything you know. They know he's going to go somewhere else. I mean, he's a middle-of-the-field player. He's got great range, four interceptions. You know, he's the, he's the communicator of their defense. He makes them so much better. So, for me, it, it was one of those where I, I could see him maybe not make $15, 16000000 what he was due to make, but teams would want him on their team. He's really a good player. And he's one of the few players they've hit on in the draft, and I think they should be happy with it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that they were looking for a pay cut from him. Now, granted, they had the cap issues that they were trying to work out and all that stuff. But I was like, this is one of your cornerstone guys. And I get it that he's 30, but he hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down. So at that point, no. I'm like, hey, if you're trying to still compete here and try to win an AFC South, you need guys like Kevin Byard on that defense, which is, I think at this point of the offseason, Tennessee has probably become a little bit underrated because I think we all just assume that Jacksonville is going to win that division. But I mean, you get... Harold Landry back. You still have Jeffrey Simmons there as a disruptor on the interior. Kevin Byard strong up the middle there. You do lose David Long, though, but that's a defense that's pretty good, and they have a pretty good coach there in Mike Vrabel. So I think Tennessee, defensively at least, is a team that you can feel confident in. Yeah, I mean, I think to me that that's the strength. The strength was down the middle of their defense. Simmons, Long, Byard. You know, and that's where they were really strong. Their corner situation has been a little bit tough. They haven't been able to hit quite with that, but I, I like Byard, and he's smart and instinctive. I mean, that's like Honey Badger, Mathal. You know, he came on the list this year. I mean, the guy played almost 1,100 plays. You know, he's an instrumental leader in their back end. He knows where to get everybody lined up. He made their defense better, made the checks. It's the same thing that Byard does, you know. It's one thing to design it. It's another thing to have it communicated on the field. The guy that I was a little bit reluctant with was Derwin James. I I still think James Mm. is a good player. I worry about him as a pure cover guy. You know, he's more of a strong safety, but I think his impact, his size, and his ability to to kind of play an old-school game Put maybe maybe make him a blue as opposed to keeping him at a red. Yeah, I mean Derwin James from from an athletic standpoint, I feel like he's probably what you would uh, build in a factory as like your model for <laughs> what you'd want a safety to look like. I mean he's a terrific athlete. Injuries were a concern for him back to college early in his career, but he was able to stay healthy a season ago as he's now a back to back blue chip guy and is quarter sort of the kind of the quarterback of that secondary there for the Los Angeles Chargers which they've kind of built that team to try to stop Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and that Kansas City Chiefs passing attack. I mean, I think one of my favorite parts of every NFL season is that whenever the Chiefs and Chargers play, you get to see Derwin James against Travis Kelsey. Now, Kelsey was kind of giving him the blues a little bit in that Sunday night game last year. But uh, Derwin James, if there's anybody that who has a chance to maybe cover a Travis Kelsey-type player, it's maybe it's Derwin James with the size and athleticism that he has there. But Buda Baker, though, the cool thing about him is that man, he just plays with his hair on fire. Like, like that yeah. guy is just a reckless abandon. And it's crazy because he's so small and he's a kind of a miniature guy, but he's not afraid to mix it up. He has the movement skills and everything like that. He's a leader. If you're Arizona, like that's who you want in your locker room. I mean, he's still only 27 years old entering his sixth season. They're like, I think that you, you give him his money and say, all right, this is our foundational 
leadership guy to help build the defense as we start to go through this rebuild process. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it, you know, he's exactly what I was talking about earlier. He's a guy who could play. He played corner at Washington. He played in the slot, played the star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could see him, you know, as he gets as he's gotten a little older, he's been able to develop as more of a outside. I mean, excuse me, an inside safety, and his instincts are really good. You know, I mean, I think last year he was injured a little bit. I think he was playing through it. His coverage skills weren't as elite as they've been in the past. He's never going to be a guy you want to attack the pocket with because he's undersized. I mean, he's not going to win the matchup. But, you know, what he can do is he can tackle. And 75 solo tackles and 900 plays and 36 assists are pretty damn good. I think he makes a lot of plays and he's around the football. And I don't think you can argue with that. I was looking at your list of guys from last year when we did this pod. And there was some that were on the list that did not make it again this season. And there's actually a couple of blue chips. And I don't know where these guys were this season in terms of how close they were to getting onto the red chip list. But Justin Simmons of the Denver Broncos a season ago was a blue chip, was not a blue chip or a red chip. And then also Micah Hyde of the Buffalo Bills was a blue chip, but did not make either list this year. What was the reasoning behind leaving those guys off? Well, Hyde got, you know, Hyde was hurt. So that was, you know, I mean, I that's right. Yeah. I mean, that was, that wasn't, that wasn't a hard one. I thought Simmons didn't play to the level. Now, a lot of it was, I'm not sure they were very good defensively, you know, I, I, even though, uh, it wasn't all their fault, the players, but I didn't think he responded to it. You know, he only played 800 plays last year, which is typically not something that he did. He had some injuries. I think he's a really good tackler. And I was a little bit disappointed in terms of, of his coverage skills last year. So I just felt like, you know, the way they play defense, I think he could bounce back. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a great year this year. And then Harrison Smith last year was 33 years old. His 11th year. Now he's 34, 12 year in the league. Yeah. I mean, that to me, it's almost as if it's like, all right, he's kind of on the way out a little bit in terms of being a top tier guy, because as we know, father time is pretty much undefeated. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, and, and his, he's lost some of his range. I mean, let's be clear here. It's not the same yeah. guy. So, you know, I, I think to me that that's been really the issue. And, and and he's still, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, when you get to the scheme, you know, he'll still be able to get guys lined up. It's can he actually go and make plays? I think that's going to be the bigger concern. What about Antoine Winfield? We had him as a red chip last year. Only 25 years old. I know. I think he still is a good player. I think he just got beat out. I mean, I think that's just – and, I, you know, a lot of it was – you know, he played 833 plays. I didn't think he covered. A lot of their defense was hurt last year. So I think Winfield is is a good player. I think he's limited on the third level. I think he's limited there. But I do think he's a good player. And if he's healthy all year, he could certainly be a factor. I mean, like Eddie Jackson, you know, he at once time was a really good player. And he didn't really kind of, you know, get to that point this year because obviously that defense was so bad in Chicago. Yeah, well, Winfield is tough as nails. I mean, that dude is like he's not afraid yeah. to hit or anything like that. But like, but definitely was a down year for the Bucks defense. But injuries, I thought, played a big factor into that here. Uh, we got about four minutes left or so here in this segment. Uh, who are the guys that you were really close to putting on them? I'm sure, maybe we've named some of them off here with the guys that just missed out from last year. But were there guys that you had on the list that you're like, ah, I kind of want to put them on, but I just can't quite do it yet? Some guys who were kind of close to making that step into becoming a red chip or perhaps even a blue chip. 
You know, I, I often I think Jimmy Ward now in Houston, I think he was always close to the list, right? I think he plays well. He understands his role. He's kind of got good awareness. He's not I, – I think his coverage skills are lacking, so I, I didn't really wasn't going to, like, say, oh, gosh. You know, I thought Rodney McLeod was a better coverage guy. He was close for me in terms of that uh, because I think, you know, sometimes I think when you watch the player, we think the player's in man coverage when he's not. He's in zone, you know, and he's reading it, and it's a, it's a coverage that basically is predicated becomes man after the route distribution comes into play. So I, I kind of that and and Thornhill, I thought Thornhill in Cleveland last year, I thought he played well. So you know, I think to me, when you look at when you look at some of these guys, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you, you got to how they orchestrate themselves within the defense is really going to be critical, and how the defensive team handles it. You know, how they do it, what they do, and and how it works out. What about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year in Philadelphia? Now he's in Detroit. Did you consider him as a safety? Because I know he kind of played that slot corner in New Orleans, but Philly sort of moved him around, maybe put him at safety a little bit at times. Was that a guy that you considered putting on who I think was tied for the lead yeah. with my guy Tariq Woolen for interceptions? I think to me he should have been, he probably should have been a red trip there, but he's kind of like a almost he it's a little bit like there's not a position all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, almost like a slot corner. You know, and he's around the football and he makes plays. He probably belongs on the red chip list, I think, because of his ability to find the football. But the, I think the reason he didn't make the money is because you got he's schemed, he's scheme centric, right? And mm-hmm. so I think you've got to be able to to make sure that you he handles that and you understand where he's going and what he's doing. Yeah, he he's a feisty guy. Uh, I think he's one of those players that if he's on your team, you love him. And then if he's not on your team, you absolutely hate him because he's uh, not afraid to talk a little bit of trash out there. But, hey, I mean, he gave the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit of edge on that back end of the secondary with their with their defense season to go. So. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did. You know, he definitely did. But I think, you know, like McLeod, I thought McLeod for as bad as Indy was all year, I thought McLeod played pretty good for Indianapolis. And Cleveland signed him in free agency. So, to me, that tells me that, you know, he's kind of like exactly what they want. You could see Cleveland wants to improve the middle of their defense. You know, I think they really made it a point to try to improve the middle of their defense. And I think with, with Schwartz there now, I think they will. Yeah, no, that, that Cleveland team, I keep coming back to them. of like, this is a really good roster, and it's just going to come down to lure the you in. with that. They, they, I mean, they well, might. I think they're gonna, they, it's gonna come to, I think it's going to come down to how they handle everything, right? You know, yeah. I mean, like, are they gonna are they gonna are they gonna be so uh, centric in terms of all their uh, analytics? Are they gonna do something stupid? I don't know. We'll see. But they have enough talent. They should be better. Yeah, they, they should be a lot better this year, especially defensively. Now adding Zadarius Smith into that mixer. We're gonna talk some edge rushers a little bit later in a few weeks here. But on the other side, we'll recap the red chips and the blue chips for the safeties. And we'll try to get into maybe who's next at the position as well. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lamar. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, to recap our red chip and blue chip list here for the safeties, the red chips once again are as follows. 
San Francisco 49er safety, Talanoa Hufanga. Then you have Javon Holland from the Dolphins. Jeremy Chin of the Carolina Panthers. Jesse Bates was with Cincinnati the last five years. Recently signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Four years, $64 million. He finds himself on the red chip list. And then the ageless wonder at the position, Tyron Matthew. His age 31 season. I'm calling him the ageless wonder. I'm older than this guy. <laughs> 11th season uh, is entering here for the New Orleans Saints in his second year down there in the Bayou. Then the blue chips list is Kevin Byard of the Titans, Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers, Derwin James of the Los Angeles Chargers, Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals takes that step up from red chip to blue chip, and then Kyle Duggar of the New England Patriots. They're entering his age 27 season in his fourth year. Any last thoughts here on the red chips and blue chips list here for the safeties, Michael? You know, I, I think to me, one of the things safeties do is prevent big plays. I think that's really kind of what you're hoping for. I mean, you could just see Cleveland last year. It felt like they got really bad safety play. Uh, they signed Johnson from the Rams. He didn't work out. And so they revamped their whole secondary with Thornhill. They signed McLeod from Indianapolis. You know, they need to be able to communicate better. And when you look at their tape and you blow coverages like they did last year, a lot of it is on the safeties. You know, the safeties, it's one thing to to make a play in the middle of the field. We're not a league anymore of, of somebody, Larry Wilson or, you know, some of the hard Jack Tatum, those hard-hitting safeties. I mean, you've got to make plays on the ball and you've got to be careful and not get pass interference calls or, or personal fouls. So I, I think it's one of those unsung positions that when you have two really good players – it's interesting. Your big play total will go down. You won't give up very many big plays, and I think that's that's part of what never is talked about. You know, we always talk about you know what what a great player does and all the plays they make. But sometimes when you look at it and you see the big plays that they don't give up, you're like, okay, there you go. And I think that's the key to being a great safety and having the great safeties. Yeah, it's almost like a position where you don't want your name to be called too much on the broadcast. <laughs> you know, right. it's, well, it's if you make it too like, many tackles, you know, like McLeod yeah. and, and those guys, you make it all these tackles all of a sudden, you know, it's like, holy shit, you know, the ball's coming down to you. You know, Buda Baker's making 70, you know, it's a ton of tackles in the open field. You know, you, you're kind of don't want that. And when you can limit the amount of big plays, when you can limit the amount of how many times do they really, you know, they, they get the ball into the safety. I mean, like when, when uh, Carolina played Detroit, you know, and the Carolina was breaking tackles and the safety made about two or three. I mean, or else it would have been worse. It could have been, you know, instead of getting 350 yards rushing, it could have been 500 yards rushing. So I think we lose sight of some of that. And I think we lose the fact that, you know, big the big plays that we give up, you know, are really critical, you know, and especially in the run game. Like, you know, in the run game, you've got to be, you know, you don't want to give those, those long runs are killers because typically you don't. You don't have long runs. You know, Philadelphia's they gave up a 50-yard run last year. You know, those are things you don't want to have to do. The Red Chip Blue Chip Series will continue on next week, and we're going to stay in the secondary, and we'll break down the cornerbacks. And that's a position, I think, that is one of the money five that people always talk about, quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle, pass rusher, corner. Uh, the cornerbacks, I'm sure there'll be a, a lot of debate. Uh, Sauce Gardner would be my guess as, as a guy that maybe who obviously we didn't put him on this list last year entering his rookie season, but I would imagine he's going to be on that blue chips list just one year into the league because he was terrific a season ago there. But there's gonna be interesting names though at corners. We saw some of those young guys really uh, make a name for themselves in their first seasons. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no question. I think sauce Gunner, you know, they'll be there. I think it's really about 
three positions. It's who, like, for example, Marlon Humphreys is really not an outside corner. He's a star. He's an ins- He's a really good star. But if Baltimore has to play him on the outside, he becomes a liability. And so, you know, you've got to be able to – so there's a differentiation. I think what's happened is we're still looking at the board, the draft board, as if it were the 1970s where the positions are stagnant. And I think to me as a pro director or if you're running a pro department, you need an expansion and you need to be able to put players. Kyle Hamilton's not a linebacker. He's not a safety. He's a Nichols. He's a sub player, right? And that's where he goes, you know, because he's never going to be valued as a safety because he can't play the middle of the field and he's got to play down in the box. And you're going to – so when you're against 11 or you're against 12, I mean, like, like Peppers from New England, he's a better a nickel, a sub, call him a sub backer or call him a sub player. Same thing with Duger. When they have Peppers and Duger on the field at the same time, they become a better defensive team in terms of handling all these RPO guys and the movement quarterbacks. And I think to me, you've got to expand your positions so that you can see that, you know, you can understand that. And I think that's really going to be critical because if you yeah. just think they're safeties, you know, like, Look, Jamal Adams is not a safety. I don't care what Pete says about he didn't. You know, he gave up for him. He's a he's a a, a linebacker. He's got to play in the box, and if he can rush and go against a running back, he becomes a more effective rusher. But if he's counted as a Mike, so one of the things you've got to be aware of when you're watching a game is when the off when the quarterback comes out, you know, and there's four down linemen or they call it four down, four down. And then he's got to point out somebody else that he wants the line to block. And once Seattle, once people figured out that they don't want their back blocking Jamal Adams, all of a sudden Jamal Adams' effectiveness as a rusher got way down because they say, okay, you know, Adams is, a, Adams is the, at, check Adams. Adams is whatever you want to call him. And so the line knows they got to slide to Adams or they're going to dual read to Adams. That takes away his effectiveness. And so that's kind of why there's so many more positions involved because the protection teams have changed. It's almost because we talk about it in basketball, a sport that we love. Like, oh, it's positionless basketball. It feels like for football, we're getting towards that positionless football, at least for the guys on the back seven. So you kind of have to be able to match up and do all these things. And like you're it's not like you said, the traditional corner safety linebacker, like they're kind of all three doing similar stuff here. It almost feels like. Yeah, that's why you see guys who make free agents, you know, like you see guys that make teams as a slot corner because, you know, he may lack the speed to play on the outside, but he can play slot corner where he's going to get help from a safety, you know, especially if you're a too deep man under team, you know, and then he'll tackle really well. But if your slot corner can't tackle, all, all of a sudden, you know, that's why the Mike Hilton, that's why those guys make money because they'll tackle. They're little, they can cover. If your slot doesn't tackle, all of a sudden, all your nickel run defense falls apart, and you have no support. You can't set an edge on both sides, and people will attack that because eleven back runs, one back, one tight end runs, are really more effective. One guy I want to ask you about before we get out of here is uh, Quandre Diggs of the Seahawks because he's had a pretty productive season, like multiple seasons, I should say. Now in Seattle, I mean, last year four interceptions. The previous two years, 21 and 20, he had five interceptions apiece. He had three interceptions his first year in Seattle in 2019 when they traded for him. Why did he not make the list for you? I think, you know, one of the things you don't – the Seattle gave up an 86-yard touchdown run. 
I mean, you know, that's a hard thing. Baltimore's longest touchdown, longest run they gave up all year was 31 yards. Uh, wow. You know, San Francisco's longest run was 26 yards. And, and and that's one of the things you look at is how many long runs are you giving up? And and it's not Diggs. I think Diggs is a good player. Do I think he could be a red chip? Yeah, I definitely think he could be. Would Could you change him out? Yeah, I think he helps their defense tremendously. He's a better player than than Adams is in terms of playing a deep yeah. part of the field. But one of the things you got to get from your safety is you can't you, – the reason you're back there, the reason Al Davis wanted to play, never wanted the middle of the field vacated. No matter what the defensive call was, it was never going to be zero blitz when Al Davis owned the team because he never wanted the middle of the field to be empty and because he wanted to eliminate that big run. He wanted to eliminate that big pass play, and Seattle gave up a bunch of them. No, I mean, that's definitely fair there. Um, so we will be breaking down the corners coming up next week here. Michael, I know you're going off to uh, the, the great state of Nebraska, it sounds like, yeah. for, for the book tour. Go to you, Nebraska, you got, got, yep. You got big plans there? So, uh, no, no, just a, just a book event and do that and then come back. I'll be back on the weekends for the Saturday show with you. And nice. we'll kick off into the, you know, we'll start getting into the regular, we'll start getting into the preseason. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of teams are practicing against one another, Femi, which will be kind of good for us to oh, yeah. see. I think it'll be exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah, we get those, the joint practices. Hopefully nobody's fighting like we had to deal with last year with the joint practice. Well, they're, was all, it, gonna, was the, they're always going to fight a little bit, but yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. I think New Orleans, was it, yeah, it was the Saints had to figure it out with their, the rookie tackle was it Trevor Penning? I believe that was fighting everybody at practice. Yeah, I mean that was yeah, that, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure that we can keep it to a minimum and hopefully get something productive out of these joint practices coming up here in about ten days or so. Here, but uh, also on Monday is the deadline for the franchise tag guys to sign extensions. So that'll be a big thing to kind of look forward to. Of course, we'll. I wouldn't be surprised. Kind of I know we're taping this on a okay. Tuesday, Femi. I wouldn't uh-huh. be surprised if Barkley's deal got done by then. Okay. I'd be shocked if Barkley didn't get it. I would be shocked if Barkley didn't get a deal. That's music to Giants I, I mean, fans. I know the Giants want to pay him. I mean, they're they're trying. Yeah. That I mean, they're he wants his money, and if they want to get it done, deadlines make deals. The deadline's coming yeah. up here pretty soon. You'd think that something can come together. Yeah. So we'll see what we'll happens. See. Josh Jacobs. You think? Do you think Jacobs gets his money? Uh, I think I, I don't know if he'll get a deal done. And I, you know, obviously Pollard signed his, he signed yeah. his deal, but he could still get a deal done. I don't think he'll get one done. Yeah, I, don't I think, think the one to fall will be will be uh, Barkley, and I think that's what I'm sure. I'm sure the other backs are waiting for Barkley to fall. Mm. So the, the Barkley domino falls, then maybe Dalvin Cook, maybe Kareem Hunt. Yeah, those guys start to kind uh, of fall I mean, in line. I think those are going to be I, – I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Dalvin's got suitors. He just doesn't have the number he wants. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. So we will see what happens between now and Monday's deadline for those franchise tag guys to sign those extensions. But for now, that does it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you to our producer, Andre Paraiso, filling in for our buddy Elliot Bowman on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to all – of our audience, our viewers, and our listeners there. If you're on the YouTube page, make sure to keep commenting on the YouTube page. The algorithms love that for YouTube. So just continue to engage on our YouTube page. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to you, Michael. Safe travels to Nebraska, and good luck with the book tour. And I will talk to you later on this weekend and a new podcast on Monday. Thanks, Femi.